Welcome to this special episode of the Workforce Rx podcast. Bonton Quinlevin, CEO of Futuro Health and host of the show, is also author of the new best selling book, Workforce Rx Agile and Inclusive Strategies for Employers, Educators, and Workers in Unsettled Times. In this episode, Vaughn welcomes some of the nation's leading workforce development experts to discuss which strategies and insights from chapters three and four of the book resonated most with them. You can check out their lively discussion about giving employers a role in shaping curriculum, making education and training more affordable and flexible, finding an ecosystem of willing partners, and much more from this powerful new playbook for the future of work. Joining Vaughn are Rachel Unruh, Chief of External Affairs with the National Skills Coalition, Amy Wallace, former Deputy Director at the California Workforce Development Board, Deborah Jones and Lynn Shaw, former system leaders with the California Community Colleges, Flannery Hauck, Director with SEIU UHW, Kai Druckmeyer, Chief Development Officer with Inside Track, Fred Friedman, Chief Executive Officer of Pima Medical Institute, and Katie Nielsen, Chief Education Officer of NGEN. And now, here's Vaughn. I'm so delighted to have your company today. The book proceeds will be donated to Futuro Health's nonprofit mission, uh, which is to increase the health and wealth of communities by growing the largest network of allied health workers in the nation. Some folks ask me, why have I written this book and why this book now? And the answer is the numbers. 8.4 million unemployed and 10 million job openings. The pandemic has really wreaked havoc on our labor market, which already was in turmoil beforehand. You know, workers can't find jobs. Employers can't find workers. Really, we need our nation to have all our engines revving to connect people with the right skills for the right jobs, connecting people with the right skills for the right jobs. And there's no more perfect time to get these workforce development strategies and these proven playbooks out since we do not need to start from scratch and we can be working together in collaborative ways to build upon each other's good works. This is a moment in time when I'll borrow a phrase from a former colleagues where you don't want to post and pray that there's a talent pool on the other end. And so there are many, many strategies that are proven that can be employed in order to ensure that you have the talent pool when you make that job posting. I'm so excited to introduce a set of speakers who will be joining me and uh, react to chapters three and four. Before I introduce them, I just wanted to mention that when we invite them to speak, they are going to do a, a small icebreaker, which is to give a keyword they would use in order to find this book on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, or Google. Uh, and then they will go into the following question. What insight, story, or strategy in the book resonated the most with you and why? What story, what insight, what strategy resonated the most with you and why? I'm so appreciative that they came together to celebrate this moment with me. Rachel Unruh, she is the number two at the National Skills Coalition. There is a very short list of go-to people when it comes to federal skills policy. And Rachel is one of these individuals who everybody knows about. So thank you, Rachel, for joining us. Amy Wallace has a big corporate America job of driving philanthropy right now. But we met when she was in her former role as the number two at the California Workforce Development Board, driving a lot of those policies when we were uh, syncing up on, on regionalism and a lot of other intents on how do we make dollars braid together and work together so that we can get more of Californians into better opportunities. 
speaking about opportunity, Deborah Jones and Lynn Shaw, uh, as you know, education reform is not an individual sport. It is a team sport. And uh, there's no better team I could have had than to have had Deborah Jones and Lynn Shaw uh, working with me at the state chancellor's office in California to drive many and design many of the reforms that we put through, including doing what matters for jobs and the economy and the strong workforce program. So Deborah and Lynn, thank you for being here. And then for chapter four, we have Flannery Hauk uh, with SEIU UHW. Flannery's a union of 100,000 healthcare workers had the foresight to actually make the significant investment in launching Futura Health back uh, last year, pre-pandemic, in order to grow the next generation of healthcare workers. So thank you for having that foresight. And uh, with her is Kai Drakemeyer, who is with Inside Track, uh, especially as we think about adult-friendly education that is flexible to their hours. Uh, a lot of that moves online. Adults need to feel a sense of connection and the personal touch. And Inside Track has been a fantastic partner to us at Futuro Health in order to ensure that even as we take advantage of online methods, we always have the personal touch. Fred Freeman, CEO of Pima Medical Institute, also had the foresight to be able to bring together a coalition of, of education partners who have healthcare programs. And it is his foresight that allowed us to more easily launch not only a, a whole range of education programs, but he was also critical in launching in the speed of need curriculum that we needed to deliver in two and a half weeks in order to meet the timing of the first COVID-19 surge that was going to happen. And Katie Nielsen, she is so fantastic and such an evangelist for meeting students where they are, including where their language needs are and how to bridge that gap between where people are and the education path and the work path that they want to get towards their aspirations. So let us begin with Rachel. So Rachel, let me invite you to do your icebreaker question and launch into the topic. Sure thing. Thanks, Vaughn. And thanks for having me. And thanks for writing this book. It's really great. And I think if I was trying to find it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Google, I would think of partnerships, adaptation, and innovation. Um, and those are really connected to the story that you told that resonated with me most in chapter three, which was when you talked about the ecosystem that you helped to create in California when you were at the community colleges and how important that ecosystem was to scaling some of the innovations and also to adaptation. And that involved bringing all different folks to the table who represented different stakeholder groups who, um, had control over different funding streams and how important it is to be able to collaborate and braid those funding streams in order to serve the greatest number of employers and workers. And I think what really struck me about that, thinking back you know, to the last major economic disruption we had, which was the Great Recession. And you know, shortly after that, there were some federal dollars that came down that folks are pretty familiar with, I think, the tax grants that helped community colleges and a lot of their partners build those kinds of workforce ecosystems. And that was just really essential um, to how folks responded to the Great Recession and helped you know, get people trained for jobs and help address what was similar numbers to what you're, you showed at the beginning of this. I think one of the challenges, of course, is that 
while those grants were great, um, we still in this country have no dedicated funding for the capacity that's required, not just to build those ecosystems, but to sustain those ecosystems. Because as you know, Vaughn, you don't just conjure those overnight. It takes a lot of trust building. It takes a lot of capacity. Um, and so, you know, given the disruption we saw with the pandemic, where workplaces saw 10 years of technological change overnight that required just rapid reskilling, the workforce ecosystem, or as some call industry partnerships, I think having that capacity across the country is just going to be essential for us to respond in real time when we have economic disruptions and also innovate at all times. That's a great point. And especially for smaller and medium businesses, they need these intermediaries. They don't have dedicated personnel to be able to do this work. And yet they very much need the talent. Thank you, Rachel. Next, we have Amy. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, I also want to congratulate Vaughn on her amazing achievement. Um, This book is so impressive. Um, And I'm so thrilled to have it on my electronic library. Uh, It's really um, so thrilling to be able to see this work come to fruition. And I so appreciate being invited to participate um, and see many of my old friends um, who I worked with um, when I was at the state of California. Um, My keyword search for the book would be real change. um, Because I think, you know, so much of what is talked about throughout the book is how do you create the kinds of systems and structures and partnerships to ensure that change is actualized um, for workers and for businesses? And how do we make that um, a long-term sustainable proposition? In terms of the thing that resonated for me the most, um, it was this highlight from the end of chapter three, um, which is creating a talent pool from a talent puddle lies in finding an ecosystem of willing partners. Um, And what I loved about that is, you know, so many of the examples in the book speak to the importance of identifying the right partners to get the job done. While I was working for the state, I had the pleasure of working with Vaughn while she was at the Chancellor's Office, the California Labor Agency, the Governor's Business Development Office, and many, many others to create a regional initiative designed to address community-defined challenges that existed at the intersection of workforce, education, and economic development. And, you know, key to this was creating a flexible structure for groups to come together, define a problem, and decide how they wanted to address it collectively. And you know what came out were coalitions of the willing, individual actors and organizations that were committed to moving the needle on job preparation. And our role really became just to get out of their way. These partnerships you know, really found their North Stars and drove systems change in a way that was most meaningful to their communities, each one tailoring to their own strengths. And as a result, we saw a flourishing of regional industry collaboratives in healthcare and manufacturing and IT and many other sectors. And you know, the lesson for me from this work was that there really is no one size fits all solution to workforce development challenges, but having the right folks at the same table 
can be infinitely creative in getting the job done right. Oh, you take me back into memory lane, <laughs> especially the concept of getting out of the way of these uh, coalitions. And that's not always easy because you're changing regulation, legislation, or the flow of state money. So it's still, there's plenty of work at the state level, even when you're trying to get out of the way. Thank you, Amy. Uh, Deborah, Deborah Jones. Good morning. Congratulations, Vaughn. Um, I had the opportunity to work with Vaughn at the chancellor's office. I was, as she refers to me, her lieutenant, which means that we spent many mornings and evenings and weekends and sometimes very late nights together working. And I really want to share a story that shows who Vaughn is as a person. I looked at strategy as a keyword because everything that Vaughn did was deliberate um, and there was a strategy behind it. So Vaughn created her ecosystem amongst a world of doubters and resistors at the state chancellor's office. And the value that it, and the impact that it had on her work was phenomenal. How did she do it? Well, Barbara and Rona, their legislative policy insiders, and Vaughn went to breakfast one Friday morning early in her tenure. And that Friday turned into every Friday morning and the breakfast crew grew. Tim Rainey, who I think is on here, um, head of, was head of the, is head of the Workforce Development Board. He joined them and it grew from there. And that was the beginning of a strategically curated ecosystem of partners. So in the, on those Friday mornings, Juan would come back to the office excited and full of energy. She'd bring napkins with written notes and graphics with boxes and arrows, which is her common thinking language. And it, it's manifest in her slideshow, you'll, you'll see it. At the breakfast, they would scheme and strategize. They developed a common language around workforce. They defined California's landscape by regions and sectors, and they aligned grant schedules and outcomes. Most importantly, they became an echo chamber for each other, and that was powerful. Another example was the building of the foundation when WIOA was reauthorized and required joint planning. Had it not been for those breakfast meetings and the relationships that were established, the planning would have occurred in agency silos, the field, workforce development, economic development, adult education, and the community colleges were able to work together and do real joint planning and braid funding. Vaughn was with her family of colleagues. They supported her in her work and at the same time, they offered critical feedback and new perspectives around legislation and policy. She'd return inspired and ready to tackle the challenges at hand. It was a safe sounding board. She could test out her ideas with the Friday group and together they could strategize solutions that work for each. It was a place um, where she could get real feedback. And it wasn't always um, positive feedback, but it was feedback that informed and shaped her, her next steps. One of the greatest values was the alignment and advocacy for legislative policy changes. Together with one voice, each person represented their agency and reflected the collective. I remember going to Senate hearings where each person from the Friday breakfast group would testify, again, each with a single focus, but all with a collective and aligned vision. Together, they were strong and able to shape legislation. They couldn't have done it on their own. So the lesson was curate your ecosystem. It will serve you well and strengthen your organization. Congratulations, Vaughn. Uh, thank you, Deborah. And your comments also uh, echo my sentiment, which is education reform is not an individual sport. It is a team sport. And thank you so much for having been a critical member of the team.
with that, let me turn it over to Lynn Shaw. Hi, I'm really glad to be here and thank you, Vaughn, for inviting me and congratulations on writing this book. I really enjoyed reading it and I lived with you through many of the stories. So that was really fun to sort of see your perspective in writing. Uh, my keyword search would be workforce health. Um, I think you're looking at building something really healthy and that can be sustained. And I just wanted to tell a short story where my first experience with workforce disruption through technology was when I called to get my refrigerator repaired and a repair man came and the first thing he pulled out was a laptop. And I was so shocked because he didn't have a toolbox. He had to like order parts and that was when I realized like, oh my God, the, the workforce is really changing. And I think one of the systems that can really change the way we train people is apprenticeship. Um, I served an electrical apprenticeship and I've also been a minor, a steel worker, a longshore worker. And this earn while you learn, and there's a lot of tag words people use like the first four-year degree, but you start out with a job and you learn on the job and you learn in the classroom at the same time. So it's not like you go to school and then get a job. It's all integrated. And I believe the workforce of the future and the way people learn and the jobs they have are gonna be ever-changing. And I think we used to use the term lifelong learning, but I think it's gonna be lifelong skill attainment. And you sort of fill your toolbox with various skills. And I do believe it's not the degree you have, it's not gonna be even what you know, it's gonna be what you can really do. And I think that's a great shift in the future of learning and the future of work. And the last thing I wanna talk about is this talent puddle into a talent ocean. I think there's occupational apartheid. In other words, I think there are still women's jobs and men's jobs. And I think if we can change the way people look at work to have no gender, that will create a different kind of talent pool or talent ocean. So congratulations, Vaughn. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for letting me get on my soapbox. Thank you, Lynn. I'm delighted you were able to talk about apprenticeship as a learn and earn model, very effective and, and can increase the agility of the workforce to be able to acquire new skills more systematically. Thanks for joining us. And then let me turn it over to Flannery, Flannery Hauk. Sure. Hi there, Vaughn. So glad to be here and so impressed and proud of you for this book and for all your work developing Futuro Health, which is how Vaughn and I actually met. And my key word has already been uttered multiple times. <laughs> it's the word ecosystem. And, and I don't think I can add much more to what Amy and Deb and Rachel all said, um, even though they didn't pick it as their key word. You know, I heard ecosystem of willing partners. I heard, I love Deborah's, the ecosystem of doubters and resistors. And it really speaks to Vaughn's gift in understanding the, whether we call it a team of rivals or a coalition of allies, um, 
people on this call talked about community, employers, that the power of people with a common interest and complementary assets is just can't be understated. And I really don't think I could say it any better than Deborah, Amy, and Rachel already have. But my word would absolutely be ecosystem. And I think our call here today is a little bit of an example of that. My favorite story was really right in the beginning. It's the foundational story from chapter three. You know, the idea there was that working with uh, as a board member for the National Skills Coalition, and I learned this from chapter three and from today, that the NSC was meant to cultivate inclusive, high quality skills training. And you did that through federal policy changes, which would uplift local economies. And it was informed by firsthand practitioners. So you share a story about Nathan, who was a Midwestern CEO who thought he had a really good tuition reimbursement program. But in doing the investigation, he learned that, you know, really the foundational lesson of this chapter is that employees need flexibility to account for things like childcare and second jobs and online programs that would allow them to take advantage of the hours that they have to go to school and affordability that, you know, sure, the company covered the cost by reimbursing, but not by disbursement. And so he implemented the feedback and that grew participants from 70 to more than 600. But my takeaway as a union organizer is that the answer came, as Nathan offered, from talking directly to the workers to understand the need. And that's part of what I think is so powerful about Vaughn's work with Futuro Health. It broadens this idea of ecosystem beyond public-private or employers and education providers, but has a direct line to the contribution of frontline healthcare workers about what their needs are as students, as workers, and as practitioners. And I would say even in the work that we did to uh, stand up the COVID curriculum, which we have to get all praise to Pima for that, is that you know, you were willing to draw on the direct experience of frontline respiratory therapists who were treating COVID patients to inform the curriculum. And, you know, what a powerful addition to the ecosystem. You also talk later in the chapter about the SEIU UHW Ed Fund, which you describe as, you know, employer union advised training trust. And again, in this case, employers and the union representing workers jointly prioritize and invest in training to meet the needs of the workers, the employers, the marketplace. And I think it all points to your gift in expanding the ecosystem. Thank you, Flannery, especially pointing out that if in building an ecosystem of the willing, the one thing that everybody will always agree on is the focus on the students, focus on the workers. And from there, you can always build out other common ground. So thank you for raising that point. Kai. Uh, thank you, Vaughn. It's great to be here. And my, my, if I had one key word that would help find the book, it would be agility. Uh, that wouldn't be enough, though. I would I would add agility and action for effective workforce development. Uh, I know that's a mouthful, but um, I want to start by congratulating and thanking book, uh, Vaughn for the book, but much more for Futuro Health. I think this is the hottest organization in post-secondary uh, work and workforce development right now. Uh, we're, uh, Futuro Health is doing amazing work, and it really is the embodiment of this concept of agility and working at the speed of need. You know, to me, seeing it close up and, and being in there, it really feels like a large scale mobilization. And it is not easy. And all of the organizations, and I'm sure Pima and Red and everybody feel this way, but um, you know, we're being stretched and pushed, 
but we, the Futuro community, um, are making it happen and the learners are thriving and making it through and making it in. So um, just want to take my hat off to Vaughn on, on Futuro Health first and foremost. For chapter four, so much of this resonated with me. Uh, you know, more than half the work that we do at Inside Track is focused on serving and supporting working adults. And Vaughn nails it here. They require flexibility and affordability. And so there's a passage that mentions that six in 10 of people here in the US between 22 and 39, they cited cost for the reason that they didn't finish or didn't even pursue any sort of post-secondary education. And if you think about it, given this issue of affordability, these are low, low income or lower income adults who are citing that. So it's just really unbalanced and problematic and we've got to address that. And so we shouldn't be surprised by the skills gap given that issue of how do you pay for college? And so we have seen an employer hesitancy to invest you know, in those who may leave and Vaughn talks a bit about that. And the fact that the employment compact and the idea that you might work at the same place for decades is, and that mutual loyalty that goes with it is sort of dead. So it requires new thinking. And some of the things we're seeing, we are seeing employers step up and recognize that, you know, you've got to fund this. And Kaiser, you know, my hat goes out to, off to Kaiser as well, plus the labor management partnerships that we're seeing that are so powerful. So also SEIU, UHW, thank you for, for making this happen. Um, just a, the other thing that struck me is, Great entrepreneurs don't always make stuff up out of the blue. They're often transferring concepts from other spaces, uh, other industries or realms. And, and Vaughn has really hit this pretty hard, this concept that there may be effective playbooks that are available, you know, right under your nose or right across the street. Somebody's figured something else out and you can adopt that, bring it over and refit it to make it work. So I love the idea of, you know, an example of this would be looking at other countries for innovation. Uh, Singapore with their different funding models with these centralized funds uh, and then also looking at other countries and what are they, they're doing for apprenticeships. So um, la last point I would make here is uh, that I kept being struck throughout this chapter on how we do need to transform K-12 and secondary and or post-secondary education generally to involve more of this sort of contextualized learning you know, bringing together, making things relevant and concrete. We're seeing this a bit with more of an emphasis on project-based learning, but we need more of it. And I think we're gonna see far better learning outcomes as we learn from what Vaughn and others are teaching us in, in the workforce development context. I'll, I'll hold there, thank you. Kai, you bring up uh, so many good points. Um, hearkening back to your point about affordability, I think it's startling to realize that 40% of American households have less than $400 in their savings. So when we're talking about, uh, you know, ability to tap into tuition programs, we really do have to think about cash flow, their cash flow when it comes to uh, being able to afford the training. So with that, let me turn to Fred. You are next. Why, thank you, Vaughn. Uh, first of all, it's, it really is a pleasure to be uh, on a panel with such powerful people. I think uh, collectively we represent uh, quite, quite a force in today's workforce and changing the way that employers and employees view their role in, in today's workforce. If I were looking up um, the book on Amazon and putting in some key words, I might start with identifying tomorrow's workforce. 
And to expand on that, identifying and grooming tomorrow's workforce. Uh, we don't simply need to identify who are the likely candidates to fill the jobs, but how to groom them so that they understand exactly what role they play. It really isn't about the degree that someone has or what they know as much as what they can do. And therefore, career education, the technical skills, understanding the role that they play in becoming part of a team is critically important. What, what resonated with me as I was reading it, Vaughn, was uh, your line about the fact that we must all move at the speed of business. And as a, as a private career college, we're, we are used to moving at the speed of business because we have literally preparing today's workforce for tomorrow. And when I say tomorrow, I mean tomorrow. <laughs> One adage that we use at Pima Medical Institute is job placement drives curriculum. We are preparing people based on what employer needs are. And whether it's through advisory boards or uh, data that's gathered, we have to make sure that we are flexible and agile and move so that the employer demands are met almost immediately. And that's not an easy thing to do for anyone in higher education because the ship takes a long time to turn and sometimes they require a speedboat. So we have to have that flexibility and that uh, ability to pivot quickly um, to meet employer demands. So whether it's public-private partnerships or private collaborations, none of us can go it alone. And I believe that, that we've heard that echoed a number of times during this podcast. None of us can go it alone. In order to satisfy the workforce needs, we have to be flexible and scalable and have the ability to customize as best we can to meet those needs. Uh, or we simply won't be able to provide a satisfying solution to the employment needs of today's workforce. So Vaughn, I, I really did enjoy every chapter of this book. Uh, I couldn't wait to get it. I was on the pre-sale list so that it came to my home as quickly as possible. So thank you for making that available. Uh, and I would recommend everyone on this call that has any interest in uh, workforce development grabs a hold of this book and reads it cover to cover because it's fabulously stocked with information and productive ideas. So thank you for that. Well, Fred, we've so appreciated as Fatora Hulls working with the consortium of career colleges that you've put together. And every time we come out with a, here's the new training roadmap, you know, within the consortia, there's someone who is interested in a, a program. Again, it's not everybody has to do the same thing, but it's because of the consortia that there's agility to be able to pivot and change with the time. So thank you again, Fred. And last up but not least, Katie. Thanks, Vaughn. Thank you for having me. And honestly, thank you for writing the book. Like everyone else said, every chapter was so full, not only of contextual examples of how to put your strategies in place, but almost clear operating instructions for how to solve specific workforce problems that I hope it's going to be a resource, not only for workforce practitioners right now, but people training to help the workforce of the future. If I were going to pick a keyword, I think I would use uncovering hidden talent. So what struck me the most about chapter four, you summed up in one sentence, which is it's not enough just to provide resources to workers. We need to make sure those resources actually get used. And this resonated with me particularly because my whole mission is to help historically under-resourced populations get access to the kinds of skills and training that will give them jobs with economic mobility. 
and they often get overlooked. And they get overlooked because they don't have the support to take advantage of the resources that are being offered. So if a workforce development organization or an employer is thinking about how to develop talent internally, it's not enough to say we have tuition, even if we prepay, we have prepaid tuition and you can do this flexibly and you can do it online. That's great. That's going to work for some population, but it's not going to work for everyone because we have workers who are facing systemic barriers to access, to digital literacy, to language. And if we don't take the time to figure out what supports they need to succeed, we're never going to be able to develop the talent that we need to have for the future. And that's what struck me as I read that chapter. And that's what I think it's super important for workforce practitioners and people building these ecosystems and building a workplace that has an educational program need to keep in mind. Katie, I'm so appreciative that you have put a highlight on this issue of systemic barriers for individuals. Thank you for doing that and reinforcing that point. All right. Well, we only have 45 minutes together and you can see how thoughtful, how very thoughtful and how experienced all of my guests have been. Uh, So let me close out with a a few requests. First, uh, all of you wonderful folks in the audience, we would love to hear what keywords you would use to find this book. And please go ahead and put that in the chat. We would very much appreciate your help to spread the word on this book. The numbers are very large with 10 million open jobs and 8.4 million unemployed. So getting the strategies, the proven playbooks in the hands of others is so critical at this point in time. We've had a good jumpstart with the Workforce Rx appearing on a number of Amazon bestseller lists, but we could use your help to get these potent strategies into the hands of others. So help us spread the word. And if you happen to be on the websites of Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any of the other bookstores, consider writing a review. There's no better gift to an author than to have you uh, do a review. It's quite easy. Just go to where the stars are and you can select, you know, write a customer review. You just put in a title line, write a few sentences and hit submit. And that's all it takes to write a review. So I want to thank you in advance if you can take a minute to write a review. And with that, I want to once again thank our wonderful, wonderful set of panelists, my peers and colleagues and friends, Rachel and Amy and Deborah, Lynn, Flannery, Kai, Fred and Katie. Thank you so much for spending time today to celebrate my book launch. And thank you to everyone in the audience for joining us today. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Workforce Rx podcast. We hope you'll head to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or other book retailers to purchase your copy of Workforce Rx, Agile and Inclusive Strategies for Employers, Educators, and Workers in Unsettled Times. Proceeds benefit the nonprofit mission of Futuro Health. And we hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore how to create a future-focused workforce in America. 